Hey everybody, welcome to Destiny Midweek, the greatest podcast in the world. I'm Mark, and I'm joined with my brother and pastor, Matt Bell. Howdy. Howdy. It's good to see you today. Yeah, you too. Episode 25? 25. Season 5. That's like... Episode 3. Almost half a year. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yes. Because there's 52 weeks in a year. And I would say we have been doing it for half a year because there's probably been a week or two that we skipped. I think there was. So this is probably exactly the half year point. It's amazing. Goes by fast, doesn't it? Oh man, it's flying by. But yeah, we're in season five. Right. But like you were saying, we probably won't be at season 10 at the end of the year. Oh no. We're we're hanging out in season five for a while. We'll be in season five until we're out of the book of Acts. Yeah. And man, I have no idea (laughs) when that will be. I love how you're just being totally transparent about that too with the congregation (laughs) i don't think they're amused by it (laughs) well like you don't you really don't have like the whole thing mapped out i don't and in fact i had the first five weeks mapped out Mm -hmm. but i'm thinking about adding a week this week oh really yeah because is this so is this 3b it would be 3b yeah exactly because we see Peter, or we see the, the you know, Acts chapter 2, 1 through uh, 15 is where I was. Mm-hmm. The Spirit's poured out, and then Peter stands up to preach. And I'm, I'm really being tempted about this Sunday, taking a, taking a Sunday to go and look at Peter's oh, that'd be great. transformation. Oh, yeah. I'm so on the fence right now. Do it. I'm so, and you're kind of pushing me one because, direction. Because, I mean, uh, there could be people in here who don't know that about Peter. And so, oh, wow, this apostle who's always he's been right next to jesus his whole life of right. course well, but if i deal. start doing that it we will be in acts for two years there's if i start if i if i just start taking my time and well, i'll take a week here to do this a week here to do that it, it, it could it could easily be two years in acts and maybe that's what we're supposed to do i mean i, I haven't heard a word from god on that mm-hmm. but i don't know because what's going to happen you're gonna you're going to address that sunday regardless Right. So if you do that and spend 15 minutes doing that, right, then you're trying to do the rest in his sermon in 25 minutes. Right, which is, you know, his sermon starts in verse 17 or really verse 16 and goes all the way to like verse 41. So I'm ar- I'm already was going to hit all of this in one week. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out what the pace is. Do I just go full on like Bible teacher guy that he is just he you go as far as you get and then next week you just pick it up there and you you just work through it or or do i do like i've done in the past like when we went through john or we went through genesis yeah i said no we're, we're only going to spend 40 weeks i've got it mapped out if i don't get to every little nook and cranny oh well we're just going to push through you can't spend two years in a book of the bible but i, I just don't feel that pressure yeah right now i mean that i did back then and i don't know why that is you know i think the people are enjoying it i haven't gotten any complaints but again we're only <laughs> three weeks into it you know if we're on week 78 yeah i just i gotta well, don't wonder. order a new banner that one might start wearing out no, a little bit I, I like that banner oh though. that's a great banner is that the same uh fire emblem you use for john it is yeah oh, okay it is we that's did a cool. little recycling oh yeah so 
Mm, but cool. it's a great, it's oh, a great it's a little band. icon. Oh you know, yeah, we ought to we ought to print like T-shirts. No, do, oh yeah, <laughs> they just have that that i that emblem on them. Oh man, or now we're some talking. kind of swag. See, if you had the longer it goes, you can you can throw some swag in there because if you're just doing a little five ten week series, then you know you're not going to want to swag it up. But if you're doing like a two year thing, you get the T-shirts, you get some oh, man. tumblers. Hey, hey, write in if you want to order a. An axe T-shirt. Oh yeah, let us know. It won't say axe on there. We'll just do that. The flame. The flame dove falling, which you know, the dove in the Bible is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, coming down, but that its wings are on fire. You know, speaks to the day of Pentecost. A burning dove. Yeah, and then it it's got some kind of halo on it, which speaks to divinity. I didn't even know that's what that was. The halo or the the fire? I didn't even know it was a dove. I thought it was like a burning bush kind of thing. No, it's like a dove. Yeah, I'm like, seeing that now. Like in because in it's the like gospels, a dove dive bombing down. Yes, in the gospels, when Jesus is baptized in water, the mm-hmm. spirit descends that's, on him like a dove. Yeah. So it's a it's a combination of the imagery from the gospels and Acts. Yeah. So the dove on fire, which. Which, if you look at the old Revival Temple logo, mm-hmm. there was a picture of a dove and a, and a flame, a fire, mm-hmm. you know, which it, it's just kind of... Maybe we're, man, just maybe this is like uh, our new alternate logo. Ooh. You know, because like, <laughs> like all these NBA teams now, they're having jerseys with alternate logos and, you know, they'll bring out on special occasions or whatnot. Right. Man. You know, I was... I was uh, I was thinking Sunday before church. I wish our church was still named Revival Temple. Like that just that 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 means so much more to me than Destiny Church, which was you know dad dad's the one that yeah named it that. I just I love I love the idea of revival. Mm-hmm. Revival. Yeah, I like that. I like that more than Destiny, personally. But. Man, this I'll is why this is to, why you you tune in to Destiny Midweek. This probably needs to be edited out. Yeah, I guarantee you, Matt hasn't told anybody else that. No, ever. of course not. Never. <laughs> We're not changing the name. Don't worry. But I do. I do like that idea. Let's get some shirts. Let's do it. Yeah. And yeah. So send us a text or email or add us somewhere if you want a. Maybe we could do like giveaways on the podcast. Maybe. You know, Carrie was suggesting the other day that, you know, you go to these Spurs games and they do like fan of the night. They'll, they'll, cause like during the game, they'll have like a dad dance cam or whatever. And so you get like three or four fans that just really stood out that night on the camera. And so like in the fourth quarter, they, they'll, they'll show those different ones and kind of vote on who was the fan of the night. It's like, man, we should start like showing the crowd on Sunday mornings to get, get them hyped up she yeah. wasn't really serious but like that's good <laughs> she was just like it'd be cool to like you know you it keeps them engaged they know like the camera might be on them so they can't be falling asleep during the sermon and oh you mean like pan over can, yeah just like a little pan over yeah and, all we got to get is one of those huge boom arms yeah know, sweeping across but then i was like man if we get t-shirts and we have like a t-shirt toss and Oh yeah, you know, like going into the sermon, get everybody pumped up to hear the word. Man, shoot, get a t-shirt gun. Probably get Randy Blankenship to build one for us. He probably already has one <laughs> built somewhere. Anyway, let's let's All move right. on. Um, so, so we were talking about the Holy Spirit falling. Yeah, 
we got some questions. Awesome. If you want to jump in, yeah. all they would do is just jump in Let's here. Dive in. I gotta Let's find it. Dig I gotta in. Find it. Find it. Find it. Dig into these questions here. So we got two questions, which is great. Thank you. Two different people submitting questions, which is even better. Thank you, guys. The first one. This comes from Joy Engler, who's one of our community group leaders, which is awesome. Yeah, if you're not in a community group, you're missing out on half the fun. Big time. Maybe like 90% of the fun. Yeah, I would say 90%. This is maybe 10% of like extra fun as far as the sermon series goes. Oh, I just, I mean, I meant all, all fun I meant in the include, world. I included the sermon in there no, as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, you got to flesh it out. You got to put skin on those bones. So community groups, 90%, and where would the podcast be with the rest of that? Like 5% okay. and the sermons, another 5%. 5%. Okay. Yeah, so community groups are yeah, great. Yeah, probably not, but you know, whatever. We're not, yeah, they're great. All right, so here we go. Question from our small group. In verse 8, when it said the people heard languages in their own tongue, does that mean the Holy Spirit gave understanding to hear it in their native language? Or did the disciples actually speak different languages? That's a really interesting question. I've had that question asked to me several times. Was the miracle in the speech or the miracle in the hearing Mm -hmm. or was the miracle in both? What we can all agree on is that there is a miracle happening. Yes. That the Holy Spirit is doing something spectacular, miraculous, outside of what's possible in the natural so we, we can all see and agree and acknowledge that. Now, having been asked that question on numerous occasions, I still don't know where it comes from. And I don't know if it's just because of my Pentecostal background growing up as a kid that I just read it through that lens. I would 100% say yes. But in, in reading it, it just seems so clear to me. So if you look at... Acts chapter 2, verse Mm 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak Mm. in other tongues Mm -hmm. as the Spirit gave them utterance. And verse 6, they are hearing them speak in his own language. Hearing. Verse 8, how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Verse 11, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. But to me, that that verse four, that they're speaking in other tongues as yeah. the Spirit gives other utterance, that that comes first, right? And then obviously they hear them in their own tongues because they're speaking in their own tongues, as it says in in verse four. So, to me, it's the miracles is a miracle of speech. So it might seem simplistic, but for me, that seems pretty cut and dry. So I. I think I'm in agreement with you on this one. Yeah. I wouldn't go to the mat on it. You know, I wouldn't die on that hill. I wouldn't argue with somebody about it if they vehemently right. believed it was the miracle was of, of the hearing. Yeah. But it, it does seem somewhat clear to me that the miracle's in the speech. Great. But this is what's great about community groups because these are the sort of discussions that you can have with each other, kind of flesh out and work through. And then if you don't come to a consensus, you can hop on here and Pastor Matt will tell you. But whether it was in the hearing or in the speech or in both, let us not lose sight of the purpose for this, Mm -hmm. which was to create 
a disturbance, to create a spectacle, to create and draw a crowd. That's what all of this was for. It was to get the crowd's attention. And so that the crowd could hear it, could be confused by it, could be perplexed by it, could be in awe that something supernatural, something miraculous is happening here. God is at work here. And that the crowd could ask the all important question, what does this mean? What is going, what is the meaning of this? It was all a setup to produce that result so that Peter could stand up and witness He could stand up and preach. He could stand up and deliver the gospel presentation and call people to repentance. So whether it was the hearing or the speaking is really not of much consequence. What matters is that it was an opportunity to share and to present the gospel. And that's exactly what Peter did. And the most amazing work of the spirit in all of this is that 3000 souls were saved on that day. Spoiler alert. Yeah, sorry. All right, so we got another question. This one's from Lisa J, and she says, Hey, Pastor Matt. (laughs) Hey, I'll start again. Hi, Pastor Mark and Pastor Matt. I pray you are both having a blessed week. Thanks for praying for us. That's awesome. I may be overthinking this, but question on Sunday's sermon in the discussion of Acts 2, 1 through 15. Pastor Matt talked about how the Holy Spirit regenerates us. Acts 2, 5 says that there, were, there was a dwelling of devout men from every nation. Acts 4, 32 refers to the group that gathered as a multitude of those who believed. So I'm inferring that they were there in the first place because they had accepted Christ as their Savior or at least already believed in him or that he was at the least extraordinary. 1 Timothy 2.4, which my Bible subtitles Prayer and Public Worship, which I found is interesting in light of Sunday's altar call, says that God desires all men to be, one, saved, and two, come to the knowledge of the truth. In Sunday's sermon, Pastor Matt referenced John 14.17, which refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Truth. My question, is this a two-step process still today? like it was for the apostles. Can we be saved, accept Christ, and not have the spirit of truth? I'm thinking of people who have accepted Christ but drifted or blocked out that still small voice so that they are not living in guidance of the spirit. Are they simply robbing themselves of the peace, joy, and knowledge of him while on earth but may still join him in heaven as a believer? Certainly, not being guided by the Holy Spirit leads to sin that can keep us from heaven, but are there levels of belief or devotion that may allow a person to still rest with Jesus after death, even if they didn't know the truth, in parentheses, live in the Spirit in their life? Thanks. Lisa. This is a great question, and it's something that all Christians everywhere in all times have had to wrestle with and that is what do we think of people who say they're christians but there's it, it appears that that they are not there's no fruit there's no growth there's no sanctification there's no mortification of the flesh mm-hmm. by all external evidences it appears that there's nothing internal that has changed and it's a difficult thing 
because we cannot see someone's heart. Mm-hmm. We don't know where people are. I don't know where anybody else is other than myself. And I know my own self and I know where I am at. But the only way for me to try to figure out what is happening in somebody else's inside is by what they're doing on the outside. And it seems very clear that those who are born again, who have had that conversion experience, begin to show signs and fruit of repentance, fruit of the Spirit growing in, in them, in their life. Mm-hmm. It, it may be slow, it may be a long process, but there is in the true believer a genuine love for the Lord, an interest in the things of God, desire to live for him and to please him. And if those things are lacking in someone, I believe they need to be saved. I believe that they need a conversion experience. Now, it's also very clear from the scripture that when we are saved, born again, regenerated, that that is a work of the Spirit in our lives. John chapter 1 says that, that he gave them the right to become the children of God who were born not of the flesh, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John chapter 3, Jesus talks about being born again and how this is a work of the Spirit. The Spirit moves upon someone's heart and they are born again. So even the fact of being born again is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We cannot be born again on our own. Mm -hmm. It takes the Holy Spirit working in our heart and life. And the Bible is also very clear that when that happens, that the Spirit is given to us, that he is in us, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says that those who belong to Christ, have the spirit of Christ. That if you don't have the spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Christ. And so upon conversion, we are, are given the spirit. We are filled with the spirit. Now on, on these things, how we're saved, the, the Holy Spirit has to draw us. He has to convict us. He has to do his work. And, and that upon his work, we're, we're sealed as Ephesians chapter 1 says we're sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit that this happens at conversion. All Christians agree on this. This this is accepted by all Christians everywhere for all time. Where we start to get into what is less clear is whether or not there is following conversion and following the Spirit being given to all believers, whether there is a subsequent experience to be had with the Holy Spirit. That's where the tracks split. That's where on one side you have groups like the Assemblies of God and charismatic type of denominations. And on the other side, you have more traditional denominations like Baptists and Lutherans and Presbyterians, et cetera, et cetera. That more charismatic and Assemblies of God type of movements will say, yes, absolutely, without a doubt, there is another experience to be had with the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they will go on to say, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Mm -hmm. And the other side will say, no, absolutely not, that when you are saved, you are filled with the Spirit, and that is it, period, 
There is no other second experience. And this is something that I've wrestled with and gone back and forth on many times throughout my life. But in studying the book of Acts and in studying the rest of the New Testament, I simply cannot ignore the fact that there really does appear to be other experiences to be had with the Holy Spirit, whether we call that the baptism of the Holy Spirit or not, or being filled with the Spirit, or whatever language or terminology, it doesn't really matter to me. Different people call it different things. I don't like to get stuck in formulas and dogmas, but I simply see that there are times where in seeking the Lord, his power comes on us and changes who we are, changes us. So I don't know if I've given my answer that well, but I think that there is another encounter or experience to be had with the Holy Spirit. And again, I don't think it's a one-time thing. The more traditional Pentecostal type movements would say it is a one-time thing. And during this one-time thing, you speak in tongues and that's it. That to me doesn't jive with the evidence we see in the book of Acts because we see even the apostles have multiple times where the Spirit's poured out on them. And it doesn't fit with or gel with my own personal experience, which we don't base our beliefs off of our personal experience. But in looking at the book of Acts and also seeing my personal experience, I see that there have been many times in my life where I know that the Spirit has come upon me, has done a deep work in my heart and in my life, and I wonder who I would be today had I not had those encounters with the Lord and with the Spirit. So that's what I think as far as that goes. Now to the earlier part of the question about who the people were gathered in Jerusalem on that day, they were not Christians. They had not received Christ. They were devout men. They were Jewish people that had been scattered throughout the Roman Empire who came back to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost, but they had not believed upon Christ. And so what we'll see in the rest of Acts chapter 2 is that they are converted, believe in Christ, or receive uh, him into their life and into their heart, and are baptized, which is the outward sign of conversion, that they are converted, but they were not yet here in Acts chapter 2. The devout men, obviously the apostles and disciples were at that point. So is it a two-step process? I think it's even more than that. I think it's a day-by-day, step-by-step. We can't limit it to one step, two-step. It's every single day seeking the Lord and asking for Him to be poured out into our lives and for His Spirit to rest upon us in power, enabling us to be effective witnesses for Him. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is alive. He is active in our lives. So it, it to me, it will never just be a one-time thing because... You are constantly, if you're seeking the Lord, you will constantly be empowered by His Spirit. And to me, that will manifest itself in different ways in your life. One of the illustrations that I either didn't have time or forgot to share on Sunday was 
this this illustration f- about what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like, and it's that it's like a father and a child walking down the road, and the child knows that he belongs to the father, and it's the picture of of God and us as his children, and they walk down the road, they walk down hand in hand. The, the child knows that he belongs to his father. He knows that he has his father's love, affection, and that he belongs to him. But then out of nowhere, the father stoops down, throws up his child in his arms, tickles him, kisses him, showers him with love, says, you're my son, I love you. And he carries him along for a few steps, and then he puts him down again. And that's what the baptism of the Spirit is like. We walk hand in hand with the Lord, day by day, step by step. And at different points and at different moments in our lives, in times of worship, in times of seeking the Lord, in times of spending time with him, he just picks us up in his arms, showers us with his love, with his affirmation, with his affection. And it's the most awesome thing in the whole wide world. And he puts us back down on our feet and we, we continue on with a, with a greater sense of his love, mm-hmm. with a greater sense of our belonging to him. And to say that that's a one-time thing, I, I don't think so. It's good. Also going back to, this just backs up what you were saying, but in, when you were talking about a way to kind of look at a person's life is really all that we have to look at is the, their outward and what they're doing. Uh, in Luke 6, Jesus is talking about seeing people by their fruit. He says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its fruit. For figs and figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So just kind of going back to that, if you, if you see someone who's constantly saying I'm a Christian or, you know, God is great and, but their life just doesn't back it up. I, I don't think you're wrong to encourage them to really seek a genuine relationship with Jesus or to encourage them to repent of the sin in their lives. Because if they're claiming to follow Christ by saying they're a Christian, but they're not following Christ, I think we, we have the, the right. Once, responsibility. One, yes, the responsibility. Once they say they are a Christian, they're claiming to be our brothers or sisters. So us out of love have the responsibility to call them out on that. So. All right, thank you for those questions. Uh, man, I'm, I'm ready to hear about Peter. So Yeah, well, I, you may have pushed me over the I, fence. I say you just, you just do a deep dive on the life of Peter. Yeah. I mean, it's a wonderful... It's an incredible it's story. It's an incredible story. People will be built up and encouraged. They'll be built up. No the big point on Peter... I'll just put this out there, sow the seed... It'll take away my punchline on Sunday, but I might not even do it anyway. The big point on Peter is that Jesus doesn't throw people away. If you're holding back, don't
Yeah.